Cutco, for me, introduced me to business. Selling, to me, it lit the competitive fire. And I realized that that was incredibly fulfilling and incredibly fun for me. You learn so much starting your own business. And that is invaluable because you can take those skills, that wisdom and that experience with you no matter what happens. And your next venture, your next job, your next role is going to be so much easier. You'll get to where you were so much faster having the experience that you've developed. The voice you just heard is Chris White, co-founder and CEO at Shinesty, an eight-figure clothing brand that's continuing to grow fast. Selling Cutco was Chris's gateway into business, and he carried his skills and experience into the clothing industry. Chris found the intersection between what he's good at and what he enjoys doing when he started Shinesty in 2014. The company sells fun or humorous clothing products that are designed for good times with good people. Shinesty reminds people to avoid taking themselves too seriously by bringing a spirit of fun and levity to its customers and fans. Chris White personifies the spirit of his company, and I'm grateful to be able to introduce him to this audience today. Have fun with this one. Here's Chris White. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. My guest today is Chris White, the co-founder and CEO of Shinesty Clothing Brand. Uh, Chris sold Cutco for about three years, from 2008 to about 2011. During college, he grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, went to college at DePaul University in Indiana. He was a college All-American while working with us, sold about $200,000 during those college years. He later went to University of Colorado for his MBA and his JD degree. And Chris, during that time, founded the Shinesty clothing brand, which is now a mid-eight-figure brand, well on its way to nine figures and more in the future. And they have 100-plus employees. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to hearing your story and some of the lessons that you can share with our audience. This is going to be fun. Start out by having our audience get to know you a little bit on a personal level, Chris. Sure. So I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, moved shortly thereafter, kind of around a few places, but really my family settled in Oklahoma and the Tulsa area. Grew up 
pretty normal. My mom was a teacher. My dad owned a Domino's franchise with his brothers and expanded into other various business ventures. So I grew up working, you know, I think I started working at Domino's when I was 12 or 13, selling pizzas on the side of the road for $5 in the Tulsa heat, followed by various other fast food employment in high school when I got tired of working for my dad and my uncles and played sports, did kind of all the normal high school things, graduated from high school and went to DePaul University, a small liberal arts college in in Indiana. Yeah. And how did you end up finding Cutco? So my freshman year of college, I had a few things kind of changed in my life. My family, my parents got divorced. My father's, one of my dad's businesses went bankrupt. My dad had some health issues. He had a stroke actually. So a lot of kind of change and family strife for someone who hadn't really experienced a lot of that, you know, Mm -hmm. had a pretty good childhood and pretty good upbringing before that was kind of forced with a decision where I needed to either find a way to pay for school myself because my family is no longer able to help me or where I could kind of transfer and go to a junior college or a school that wasn't quite as good or as prestigious. Unfortunately, you know, the cruel reality was that I had already been in love with this college that I, that I graduated, I did end up graduating from. And so I'd already spent a semester there and knew that there was no way that I wanted to leave. So I figured I would take my chances at door B and try to find some way to make enough money to pay for school. That was easier said than done, at least from my perspective as like an 18 year old minimum wage at the time was I think $5 and 15 cents, both in Indiana and in, uh, in Oklahoma. So I was no stranger to work. I'd worked growing up, but I had kind of been capped by the amount of hours that I could work. So I came home that summer. My dad had kind of helped me meet someone who was in the construction industry, a a better paying construction hourly job. However, I did the math and realized that that would take uh, an impossible amount of hours for me to, there's not enough hours literally in life for me to be able to pay the tuition at, at Tupac. And so that kind of led me to start to look for other things. And I found this mysterious, I think it was a, a newspaper ad, but I can't remember it. It might've been in a magazine or on the internet for an opportunity to make an uncapped amount of income, work your own hours from a mysterious company called Vector Marketing. <laughs> and so I went for it. I said, this looks interesting. What's the worst that could happen? I get a, I end up getting another hourly job. Much to my parents dismay. I followed the advertisement to a seminar, I think, on at 51st and Harvard, kind of right off the highway and uh, in a little office there. Met a guy named Nathan, who was the manager of the Tulsa office at the time. And he proceeded to sell me on the opportunity to make thousands of dollars compared to hundreds of dollars a month as an hourly worker. And I bit hook, line, and sinker, and, and kind of the rest is history. All right. And that was Nathan Carson there in Tulsa. Sure. That was your That's original right. manager, right? He was. And, uh, and he was for the whole time as well. Yeah. Outstanding. And what were some of the experiences that stand out during that first summer? Cutco, for me, introduced me to business, right? I never thought of myself as a business person before that. I was really interested in sports. I thought maybe I wanted to do kinesiology or exercise science or any other way for a 
not super athletic person to be involved in athletics post post high school. When I got into business, I re- when I got into Cutco, I realized that this was kind of the opportunity to do sports professionally without having to be athletic. Mm. So selling to me, it lit the competitive fire that I think sports had fulfilled before that in my life as a child and as a teenager. And I realized that that was incredibly fulfilling and incredibly fun for me. And so I think that that was the biggest thing was that like, oh, wow, like there's actually other outlets for competition. There's other outlets for success beyond just uh, the classroom or, or the athletic fields. And that, that is really the spark that got me interested in business in general uh, and making money in general, because I realized that you're valued for the, if you choose the right path, you're valued for your output and not just for your time. Yeah. I love that uh, point about the competitive fire and how Cutco gave you that chance. I feel the same way. Like growing up, I always liked to play sports, but I was just never good enough to be right. on like the team, you know, in high school or college. And, but then when I got to Cutco, it was something I was really good at. And eventually it was something I was great at where I could compete at the highest level with other people who were great as well. And it, it really drives you when you're right. in that situation. And it, it brought the best out of me for sure. And, Definitely. and I'm sure it's, you'd say the same thing. So that's pretty cool. It's like, you know, it's that you're first, you're competing with just the class of, you know, 10 people that have been recruited with you. And then you start to do well and you're, you're competing with maybe all of Oklahoma or Oklahoma and Texas. And then all of a sudden you're doing well and you're competing with the whole country, all the students who are selling cutco in the country. And that, that is invigorating. Yeah. And during one of your campaigns, you finished in the top 10 in the country, in the entire company in sales for all of our college students, right? I did. I did. I think it was, I I don't remember the exact place, but it was in the top 10. It was maybe fourth place or so. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It was, that was, it was incredibly fun and incredibly fulfilling. Like I made a lot of money doing it. Right. But, but it was the competition that really drove it for me. Yeah. That's amazing. And I want to thank Josh Muller for introducing us. How how did you meet Josh? I think I met Josh because he was in the Austin area. And so he was kind of a legend in the Oklahoma and Texas field. He had a bunch of clients. I think maybe he lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma City for a while too before that. And so as I kind of became the top selling rep in the Tulsa market and in the Oklahoma market, then I got to meet some of the other top reps, whether that was at conferences or whatnot. And then eventually I got to sell with Josh at state fairs home and garden shows, things like that. So I've stayed at his house a few times. He was a, a great mentor and a, and just a great guy to be around with as, as an 18, 19, 20 year old kid to have somebody showing you the ropes and also yeah. a hilarious person. <laughs> Excellent. That's cool. He has a cool wife as well. He has an amazing wife. Definitely. <laughs> he, nice. Without her, who knows where Josh would be. <laughs> Truth. Truth has been spoken right there. Nice. Well, what do you feel were the most important lessons that you learned during these three years that you were selling Cutco? Yeah, I think a few things. I mean, I think first is like getting outside of your comfort zone, right? Learning how to ha- how to call someone and ask them for you to be able to present something that they definitely did not wake up wanting or wake up thinking about and dealing with that awkwardness. It's not even the rejection, but it's the awkwardness mm-hmm. of asking for an order of asking for referrals. There's a lot of power in that in being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. 
because mm-hmm. in business you're gonna deal with that, and I've dealt with that constantly, right? Right. I still have uncomfortable situations. Certainly, I still deal with rejection. Certainly, uh, on a on a weekly, if not a daily basis, where things don't go right, and being able to live in those environments and think clearly is a superpower. I think that direct sales, specifically Cutco, taught me. Secondly, I would say that the ability to network through people is also an amazing skill. So approaching a a sales meeting, knowing that your main goal is to get 10 referrals rather than to sell something, because that's going to keep your networking going and approaching everything that you do strategically with that goal and goal in mind is something that I've used over and over and over again in multiple different businesses that I've worked in, but certainly in, in a business that I own, right? When it comes to recruiting people, hiring people, finding new talent, raising money, finding investors, direct B2, in, in, in our B2B sales and selling to other retailers and things like that. It's a constant skill that is employed by entrepreneurs that I first learned at Kaka. Yeah, for sure. I love that focus on getting referrals over just making the sale. Right. right. That even if you have a time where you don't make the sale, but uh, if a Cutco rep gets a lot of referrals, right, they've got future business right there. They're they're continuing to build right there. And of course, the goal right. is both. The goal is both, but getting referrals every time is a critical right. piece I, of long-term I, success. Yeah, I think if you have a good product, right? You have a great product and you know you have a great product and you know how to sell that product and build value for a customer, the, the selling part is going to take care of itself, right? Or eventually, the selling part is going to take care of itself if you follow the process and you have a good process and a great product, which Cutco was a great product. The referral piece, that's how you really build your business, Mm -hmm. right? And that's how you really build business in a lot of different industries and verticals because the opportunities are endless if every person gives you three new opportunities. Yeah, exactly. I also really appreciate what you said about being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Right. Like that to me really resonates. I think that one of the tendencies everybody has in life is to sort of take the path of least resistance. And the path of least resistance gets us to shy away from uncomfortable situations. But in reality, there are so many situations in life where we do have to tackle an uncomfortable situation head on in order to take the next step, whether it's in selling or building a business, or as you talked about, you know, raising money for a new operation or in relationships, right? There's all these times where we have to be willing to have an uncomfortable conversation or ask a question that might be a little uncomfortable. And on the other side of that is the greater comfort of achieving what it is that we want, getting to success, right? Building better relationships, all those things are sort of on the other side of that discomfort. But if you never push through it, you never get there. And I think we we all need that experience kind of working through those types of things and starting out with something as easy relative to those other things. Selling Cutco is pretty easy. Starting with that, it really does give you the chance to build that skill. So that was a great point. Yeah. I've heard a saying that's like, you're either going to be, you're going to experience pain either way. The pain is either going to come asking the uncomfortable question and getting comfortable with that and addressing the elephant in the room, or it's going to come on the back end when you didn't ask it and you have to deal with the consequences of failure. Yeah, exactly. Great point. So during this time, while you're selling Cutco, you're at school, 
you began also getting into the apparel industry simultaneously, right? I did. Yeah. So at school, there was an opportunity that came up. Uh, a company called University Tees out of Cleveland, Ohio, had started to spin up. It was essentially a screen printing and embroidery business that had started to spin up a campus rep program where they would hire sales representatives in certain territories. And those sales representatives would go out to organizations, whether that's sports teams, fraternities, sororities, church groups, clubs, whatever it is, anyone who purchased t-shirts or koozies or drink cups or things like that, swag essentially, and sell the product that was produced in the Cleveland production facility to the folks in your region. Yeah. And so really because of the Cutco job, uh, my Cutco experience, I got that opportunity probably, I think after the second year that I had done Cutco and I don't remember exactly offhand, but I think I sold around the same, maybe a little bit more in the t-shirt industry, quarter of a million dollars, $250,000 or so while I was in school as well. And I kind of split that where I would do Cutco in the summers, sometimes on the weekends, if I went to a, a trade show or a, uh, home and garden show or something like that. And I would do university teas mostly during the year selling to organizations at the school. Yeah. Awesome. And tell us about your career path and how it began to evolve then after you finished at DePaul. So I graduated from school. I didn't really necessarily know what I wanted to do. I had a a few opportunities where I could have, or people that I had met actually doing Cutco, doing universities, where had offered me sales jobs but I wasn't sure that I wanted to just go head first into sales. I did like school, right? I, I enjoyed learning. I enjoyed my education. I studied really random things, religious studies, which is kind of like essentially like a history major. And then I did a double major with communications. So I liked class, which is kind of strange to say now. I don't know that I acted like I liked class at the time, but I did. And so I decided that I would go to law school, do a JD MBA, I looked at a couple of schools in Chicago, thought I was going to go there, went to Chicago for the first time in April, and there was like a foot of snow and everyone was grumpy and it was cloudy. And then the next week I went to visit Boulder and I was like, it was sunny, it was 70 degrees, the mountains, everything was green, people were happy. And I just said, okay, I think I, even though I don't know anyone in Colorado, I think I want to move to Colorado. This seems like a, a better quality of life. And so I enrolled at CU. In the JD MBA program. While I was in the JD MBA program, I kind of got my first experience that combined what I had learned in sales and direct sales with business building, which was I started to meet people who were doing entrepreneurship, who were doing startups. And that startups wasn't a thing that I was familiar with. You being in the Bay Area, you probably have known about it all your life. But coming from Tulsa, people didn't do startups. That wasn't a thing. It was you go probably work for an oil company. What do you do? Finance? Do you do uh, engineering or? Or you do marketing and sales. So that was a foreign concept to me, but I was really fascinated by it because it kind of touched on a lot of the things I had done building a business for myself at, at Cutco, building a business for myself at universities. And so I was really interested in that. I started working, I, I raised my hand to start working for one of these startups, started working for a company called SendGrid, which is email infrastructure software. Mm-hmm. It was a really cool company. I started probably, there's maybe 50 employees. Before they had even raised their Series A, or maybe right after, I got to stay there for two and a half years while I was in school. And I did sales and business development for them. 
they eventually IPO'd and then were acquired by Twilio. So really successful company out of Boulder. I really enjoyed the ability to be a fly on the wall and see a company expand just massively and have great success. And, and just every month was growing 10, 20% month over month in revenue. That was amazing to see. But software, B2B software, infrastructure software wasn't really for me from like a product standpoint. I, I didn't feel like I could connect to it like I did with some of the others. And so while I was in school, I took a class on entrepreneurship. And one of the pieces of advice from a speaker that came in was, hey, if you really want to be successful, do something where what you're really good at crosses over with what you actually like. And so for me, I took that to heart and I started to think about that a lot. And what I, I really liked the apparel industry and I really liked clothing. I really liked apparel for events, right? Most of the apparel I was selling in college was for events. And to step back, one of the things that I did was make it kind of quirky and funny. And I knew that if I, I got sold per shirt, I would sell. Or I got paid per shirt, I would sell. So if I made the shirts funny and comedic or having a little sexual innuendo or a little humor, I'd sell a lot more to a fraternity or sorority, obviously. And so I got kind of good at that. And that was one of the things that I liked doing. I liked being funny. I liked injecting that humor into product. And so those things, the confluence of all those things came together. And when I thought about it, I saw some other direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands that are sprouting up, all very cool, right? All very cool, all for very specific things. And I thought to myself, why is there not a fun brand that's not necessarily the cool brand, but that's the funny brand, the class clown, that's designed for good time. The initial concept, at least, was for good times with good people. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that, right? Think about music festivals and sporting events and Christmas parties and 4th of July and St. Patrick's Day bar crawls, all of those kind of social moments in people's lives. That was the initial concept and kind of how I got got to Shinesty. Yeah, nice, nice. So the opportunity for this started with you deciding to go to CU for your JD MBA and getting around that environment and the speaker that you heard come in was a, a big motivator for you. And you completed your MBA, JD, at CU during this time, right? Just barely. But yes, I did complete it. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. That's awesome. (laughs) The last year was a struggle. Yeah. And so you got this idea. When did you found China Steel? Like, when when did it start? We started China Steel at the end of 2014. And I graduated from the JD MBA program in the spring of 2015. So by the time I graduated, we had probably like five or six employees. And I had a good business. I don't remember offhand. Maybe we were doing a couple hundred thousand dollars or so a month in sales. And so, yeah, I I was kind of off to the races after I graduated. Yeah. And you knew you had found that combination of something that you're really good at and something that you would really like. Yeah, I did. And I think before getting to Colorado, I didn't know that... I knew you could be in business for yourself in sales, right? I'd learned that at, at Vector and at at universities. And I, I learned that I like I enjoyed that the ability to have no cap on my earning potential. But I didn't know that you could start a brand yourself. I hadn't seen examples of people doing that in my life. And that was what Colorado kind of gave me. And the mix of those two things was amazing for me. Yeah. Awesome. Well what what are some of the things that uh that you guys sell at Shinesty? Tell us about some of your favorites. Yeah. So when we started we were very focused on events. So you've probably seen things like the ugly Christmas sweater suit, 
If you ski, you've probably seen our ridiculous neon 80s inspired ski onesies. If you live by a beach, you may or may not have seen one of the 25,000 denim printed swim briefs, speedo looking products that we've sold in the world. I apologize to to those of you who have seen that in the wild, but that's probably one of my favorite <laughs> my favorite products of all time. So a lot of outlandish product. That said, over the years, we've morphed into really what, what we consider our mission is to force the world to take itself less seriously. Mm-hmm. And we want to own irreverent retail within, within that. And so in our opinion, there's a lot of serious things in the world. And now more than ever, people are at each other's throats and so adversarial and so political, whether they're fighting about politics or religion or who they can love or these little things that are important, right? But that are just seemingly more and more adversarial every year. We want to remind the world that humor unites people and humor is an important part of the human condition. And so that's our main focus. The products that we sell are secondary to that. We want to inject products that are great products into people's lives, but inject them with humor that remind people every day to smile, to laugh, to joke around, because you're not really human without having that in your life. Yeah. Um, and so we sell a broad range of products now. And our, actually, our most popular product is men's underwear. So we sell underwear with what we call the ball hammock. A ball hammock underwear has a pouch for your goods. It's uh, an amazing product. You know, we've sold about 4 million pair of that underwear to date. So it's it's definitely something that, that customers love, both for the quality of the product, but also just for the laugh and the smile that you get every time that you pick them up and put them on and read a joke that's on the tag or get an email or a text message from us that's lighthearted and filled with levity. Yeah, I love it. That's so funny. And the, the tagline is reminding the world to stop taking itself so seriously, stay weird and shine on. Correct. Yeah, and that, that has a, this personal meaning to you that you just described uh, that centers around you know what you're trying to create in the world, what you're trying to bring to people. Exactly. Exactly. Just reminding people to laugh, reminding people to take it easy and that being weird is good and okay. And like, that's part of human, that's part of human nature. Yeah. I used to have this talk I would give where I talked about being weird. And I would say that another way of looking at weird is unique, is different, is differentiated from everyone else. Right. And in the world you're in, there's a tremendous amount of competition and it's not good enough for you just to try to be better than one of your competitors, right? But you have to be different than your competitors. hundred percent, right? In the world we live in today with the internet, there are no barriers to entry. The barriers to entry that existed in the 80s or 90s before the internet proliferated and you could find a manufacturer online and you could launch a website online with a couple hundred bucks, those differentiators cease to exist. And so you have to, you have to have like, who cares about you and why? And you have to have a differentiating factor. Otherwise, you will not stand out. And you could have the best product in the world. But if you don't stand for something beyond that, you're going to have a really tough time building a big profitable business. Yeah, exactly. What can you tell us about the growth and success of the company over the last few years? Yeah, we've grown pretty tremendously. You know, We've probably averaged about, if you annualize our, our growth rate, over 80% over the last seven years. Some years that's been higher, some years it's been lower, but but on average, especially since COVID hit, we've grown dramatically. You know, I think we're advantaged by being online only. 
I don't have any way to quantitatively validate this, but I think everything was so heavy during that time in 2020 that uh, a joke about a guy's balls being sweaty were very funny and reminded people just to laugh a little bit and lighten up <laughs> because everything was so, so, so heavy. It kind of seemed like it, this hit us as this hit me, this hit our employees. It seemed like, oh, is what we're doing even important at all? Does it matter at all? It's pretty inconsequential in the big scheme of things. But laughter and, and humor are so important for mental health and for just being normal human. <laughs> and so the, that's when it, it really dawned on us and, and really hit us that like what we're doing is important for people, right? Make, it's not for everybody, but for the people that do find our sense of humor entertaining we think we serve a a small but important part yeah for sure for sure chris like i'm probably not in your like typical age demographic i don't think and so i didn't i didn't know about shinesty before josh introduced us and one of the first things i did is i looked it up and i looked up what you're doing and i and, and i was attracted by the whole irreverence that you described and the the tagline that I read and just all those things. I do think that you bring something unique and special that people do need and that there's power to that. And there's something that is really great about that. So I, I, I really feel like it's cool for sure. Thank you. appreciate that. Yeah, man. Yeah. What have been some of the challenges you've had to overcome? With China Sea specifically, of course, in the last two years, it has been a wild ride, ups and downs, like obviously being online, our business never shut down and we were able to grow and take advantage of that, right? Where people couldn't shop in stores and people were spending a lot of time on Facebook and on social media, which is where our advertisements and our organic social presence is. So a lot of advantages, but with that comes obviously a lot of challenges too, right? Last year was was tough. There was a market change where Apple decided to pull this little privacy maneuver on Facebook. And I'm sure you've, that's in the news all over the place, but Meta's earnings have been way down as a direct result of that. That's made advertising harder. You know, there was this thing that's also been in the news, the supply chain crisis that's been tough. We've had products, you know, that was intended for Christmas that's stuck on a boat outside of the port in LA for the last, uh, we were supposed to get in October. We got it in February. So that's challenging, of course. And growing through all of that and trying to hire people is is tough and is challenging. But they're all things that you can overcome with with a positive attitude, with trying to control your inputs. Right? You can't control some of these macroeconomic outputs right now. We can't control the fact that people are spending an extra $100, $200 a week on groceries because of inflation, which probably is cutting into our business negatively. We can't control that, but we can't control our inputs. We can't control our attitudes. And that's important to remember with challenging times. There's been challenges for businesses all over the place in the last two years. It's not been an easy environment for, I'm sure, any business for one reason or another. So I try to remind myself and I try to remind our employees that we can control our inputs. We shouldn't worry about the things that are that are outside of our control. Yeah. Great, great point about just being able to control inputs. It's the one thing that we have full control over, right? I mean, there's so many other things out there that are going to happen and they happen to everybody. And, you know, one of my favorite public speakers is a, was a guy named Jim Rohn. And he would always talk about how all that stuff is like the wind and the weather and the rain. It's like, if it's windy, it's windy for everybody. If it's raining, it's raining on everybody. It's like, everybody has these things, right? But what are you going to do about it? And that that's a great philosophy or mentality to, to bring to an organization and to bring to your people. And I'm sure that that mentality has helped you weather some of these storms and kind of move past 
some of these challenges as they've cropped up. What other philosophies or leadership insights do you feel are important to you? I think one of the things we have our core values, obviously, at Shinesty, but I think one of the most important things for consumer brands that I try to, well, that I believe, again, just my opinion, I don't know if it's gospel or not, but not taking yourself so seriously or not developing life saving medicine. We're not sending people to Mars. We're making people laugh. We're making clothing. It's things that touch people's skin every day, of course. And people pay money, pay their hard-earned money for it, of course. But at the end of the day, we're making clothing. And you have to be able to laugh, to smile, to joke around, or you're not going to reach your potential because your creativity is going to be capped. You're going to feel pressure. You're going to feel anxiety. And in my opinion, a lot of those things are are at least semi-controllable within someone's brain. And if you take a deep breath and you realize like, hey, we're selling clothing, that's we're selling funny underwear. Or even if you're not selling funny underwear, we're selling jeans. We're selling knives, right? They're products that make people's lives better, certainly. But exerting that extra pressure on yourself that turns into anxiety, I don't think is productive. And so I think laughing, smiling, taking deep breaths, <laughs> just being calm is something that helps every person in every position of business. Yeah, exactly. Really great insight. I mean, I think that's something everybody can take to heart and think about how does that apply in your own business? How does that apply in your own life? So how's Trinity doing today? And what do you feel like is the, the vision for the, the years ahead? Yeah, business is fun. I mean, it's growing. We're, the business is continuing to grow. We see a, a path to, to nine figures grow the brand into, into the nine figures. We are expanding into some other product categories, women's product. Actually, 60% of our customers are, are women, just buying mostly men's product at this moment. And so how can we design product that's just as amazing for the women who are already shopping the brand and enjoying the rhetoric and the voice? And in addition, some other channels and some other opportunities, You know, looking into... We potentially, we've expanded a little bit into the B2B space. And so we're making, taking our products, our high quality goods, our high quality designers and artists, and designing products for other brands, for marketing teams, for branding teams, point of sale teams. So we've worked with some great folks over at New Belgium Brewing and Budweiser and Sam Adams, Salesforce, and some others to design product for their brand and marketing teams that people actually want to wear. That's high quality goods uh, that doesn't just get thrown in the trash. And so that's a new thing that we're that we're working on and we're developing and we hope to grow over the next few years. Yeah, that idea of partnerships with some other key companies or organizations with, where you can design stuff specific to them. That's pretty cool. I like that. I think about how you could do that with Cutco. With uh, uh, Well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the introduction here soon, right? <laughs> we need to figure that one out for sure. That's cool. I think some, some Cutco Hawaiian shirts or, uh, or some... Very quirky Cutco golf polos, not just the the basic blue, would would help bring a little spice, a little fire to some of the some of the marketing goals. I like it. I like it. We'll have to send this along to somebody to to check out for sure. So the immediate or short term goal for Shinesty is to be become a hundred million dollar brand in the years ahead. Here, right? Definitely. Yeah, indeed. That's that's definitely what we're uh, what we're working towards right now. Yeah. That's pretty amazing coming from starting it from scratch and 
the end of 2014, right? Definitely. It's been an amazing ride. And I mean, more amazing is how much you learn and the people that you get to meet along the way, right? A, you learn so much starting your own business and in whatever way that is, right? Maybe that's your have your own sales, your book of business uh, as a salesman or salesperson. But man, you learn so much. And that is invaluable because you can take those skills, that wisdom and that experience with you no matter what happens. You have that. And your next venture or your next job or your next role is going to be so much easier and fast. You'll, you'll accomplish things. You'll get to where you were so much faster having the experience that you've developed. Yeah. What advice would you have for somebody who you know works in Cutco and is listening to this and is thinking like, I'd like to have my own thing. I could do my own thing here, whether it's on the side or whether it's as a full-time venture. Like, What would, yeah. uh, what would be something you'd say to them? I personally, and some, I have some friends in entrepreneurship who totally disagree with me and who have alternate opinions on how to choose what to do. But personally, I really think that choosing something that you're personally interested in when it comes to the product, the service, the topic, the market, the industry, having some connection, some passionate connection and personal interest to what it is that you're doing, I think is a really important seed into growing a successful organization, whether that's a startup or whatever it is. Because there are massive highs and there are incredible lows. Incredible lows. And if you started a company, you know that you've been through it. The highs are euphoric and the lows are miserable. And if you have that connection to what you're doing personally and that interest that's going to help you come out of those lows a lot faster and help you remember why you're doing what you're doing, building your own business. Yeah, I think that's a great point. One of my neighbors, Chris, is the CEO of Andreessen Horowitz, which is one of the of course. significant venture capital firms in the world. He's Mark and Ben's partner. Of, of um, course. And he talks about what he calls the organic development of a company. He calls it product first versus company first. And he says that the greatest leaders in some of Andreessen's companies are those that came to an idea organically. It was either some life experience they had or some challenge that they wanted to solve for themselves that led them to think of how can I solve this for other people? But there was this investment in personal investment in what it was that they're doing. There was this like, it was meaningful to them on a personal level. It wasn't just somebody looking for, hey, what's a niche out there that is not maximized that I could become profitable in? It had right. more meaning than that, right? And that those are the most successful founders and those are the most successful startups. And it definitely sounds like you and Shinesty fits that description pretty well. Certainly. I mean, I know people have done it the opposite way too, but I think it's a hell of a lot more fun when you're working on a topic or a product that you're personally interested and inspired by. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, Chris, as you look into the future, what are you excited about for yourself personally? Personally, I just had my first son. Oh, congratulations. First child, first child. It's a boy. That has been a life change for sure. <laughs> yeah. almost, almost certainly a shocking change. My wife and I have been together for what? 12 years. So alone with just the two of us and a dog. So we've been together basically since college. So having a new 
being in the family and, and around 24 seven has been quite the adjustment, but it's been awesome. It's been really fun to, to see that you can create life and, and be responsible for something other than yourself. Right. It really makes you consider, I have some real responsibility now. <laughs> it's my decision-making. I'm excited to be a dad and hopefully have, have more kids one day. And it's a new chapter in life. That's fun personally. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Excellent, man. Well, congratulations. I've got two little ones myself. They're five and eight and uh, they're a blast for sure. So I've heard it gets better every year. So it definitely does from one to five. I'll tell you that for sure. Yeah. (laughs) It's not super fun when they're the age of yours right now, but, uh, but there's still fun moments. Yeah. The fun moments, there's still fun moments, but it does get more and more fun for sure. So, well, it's great to see you building that side of your personal life as well. It's awesome to see what you're doing with Shinesty. And it's cool to hear the impact that you want to have in terms of changing people's lives is through bringing that spirit of fun, bringing that spirit of irreverence or levity and people not taking themselves too seriously and finding joy in small things every day. And I like what you're doing. I think it's a, it's a cool thing, man. So kudos to you. I appreciate it. Really enjoyed the conversation, Dan. Yeah. Thanks so much for being part of the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Chris White, everyone. That was a fun conversation. Love how he was able to pay his way through a private college with his Cutco earnings and that it took some family strife to drive him into being able to get a job like this, but that Cutco meets a need for people to be able to do really cool things and have an opportunity to earn more than they would elsewhere while doing those cool things. And that's a great opportunity that Cutco has that Chris took advantage of right there. The competitive fire that it brought out of him, I thought was a neat point. And the idea of getting really good at referrals and networking and how important that can be. If you're a Cutco rep right now, do not underestimate the value of what you're learning in that area right there. Being comfortable in uncomfortable situations was a compelling point that Chris made that I underscored with the idea of not taking that path of least resistance in all the things that you do, but being able to get yourself over that hump into the situations you want to be in and the success that you want to have in your life. I love that Chris was inspired by a speaker in the MBA program at CU to start a business that's not something that not just something he was good at, but in something that he liked and had passion for. There's a concept that you've heard here on this podcast called Ikigai, which is a Japanese concept meaning a reason for being. And it combines four things. One of those things is what you're good at. Another one is what you like or what you love. Another one is what the world needs. And the fourth is that what you can get paid for. So something people need where there's an opportunity for profit that you're good at and you enjoy doing, that combination is your ikigai. And it's clear that Chris has been able to find that with Shinesty. Shinesty has strived to be different and unique, not just better, right? But different and unique, right? We used the word weird. Weird was in Chris's tagline. And, you know, weird tends to have a connotation that it's something that's not good. But in reality, it is good. It means you're different. You're unique. You're special, right? 
And that is what you could see with Shinesty. Hey, Cutco reps, Cutco managers, I want to invite you to go to Shinesty.com, S-H-I-N-E-S-T-Y. Find something you like on there, support Chris and his company. For anybody who's interested in getting into this sort of a space, Chris is one of many of our Cutco alums who would love to work with people with Cutco selling experience. I want to tell you right now, if you're working here in Cutco, we want to keep you here. Believe me, I want to keep you here. I want you to stay here. I would love for you to make a career here at Cutco as I have. But I also recognize that's not going to happen for everybody. And if the time is right for you to do something else, don't go do something stupid where you're renting your time for a paycheck. Go to someplace with a Cutco culture. Go to someplace that's run by Cutco people. And you can get a much greater experience doing something like working with a guy like Chris White than someplace else. So that's something you can keep in mind and consider as well. Reminding the world to stop taking itself so seriously. Stay weird and shine on. I'll leave you with that today. Thanks, Chris White. Thanks, Josh Muller, for the intro. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.